Hello and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 5 of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. I'm Ryan Wolt, and this is the show where I bring you the stories of coffee professionals, entrepreneurship, and coffee education. Today, we're joined by Jeremy Hicks. He is the founder and head roaster at Goose Bear Coffee Curiosities in Carlsbad, California, which also happens to be where this show is based. At the end of every season, I go back and ask all of the guests and my industry partners who they think should be featured the next season. Goose Bear was one roaster that came up multiple times in the responses. After recording this introduction, I'm actually headed over to the Goose Bear Coffee drop-off to pick up a natural Javanica that I ordered on GooseBearCoffee.com. It is a Nicaragua coffee grown on a small farm by a guy who bought some coffee seeds on the side of the road in 2001. They turned out to be an Ethiopian longberry varietal that is since placed in the cup of excellence. So, good for that guy. There's much more to that story, which I'll link to in the newsletter found on RoastWestCoast.com. For right now, I'm going to enjoy the mug of Steady State Roasting Drip Coffee that I already have. I think Steady State does one of the best drip coffees in town. And I hope your mug is full with something great too, because I'm going to flip the switch on my podcast box so you can listen to the interview with Jeremy Hicks of Goose Bear Coffee Curiosities. Well, Jeremy, welcome to this recording of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. If you could do us a favor and just for the tape, uh, let me know your name, your business, job title, favorite Ninja Turtle. Sure, sure. Yeah, my name is Jeremy Hicks. Uh, I'm the owner of Goose Bear Coffee Curiosities. Um, man, favorite Ninja Turtle is tough. Um, maybe, maybe Donatello. Yeah. Oh, really? You're the first one to say Donatello? <laughs> I have asked that question to so many people over my life. Whenever I would hire a new employee, I would ask that mm. uh, when I was in the bar business. And at some point, they stopped knowing who the Ninja Turtles were. Oh, so sad. And then it kind of came back around with the new movies, but it right, right. uh, was, was never the same. <laughs> right. So thank you for being here. I have a ton of questions about your background and coffee and, and all this stuff, but I think we need to start with Goose Bear Coffee Curiosities, which is a really unique name. Where did that come from? Sure. Yeah. It's, um, so, um, I am married and I've got two kids, uh, who are four and six, Gwenny and Finn, and their pet names are Gwenny Goose and Finn Bear. So it was just kind of a mashup of those two names, which is where Goose Bear comes from. Uh, and I've worked with a really talented designer. Uh, in the past for other jobs and whatnot. And I just kind of pitched to him the idea of like, what if we kind of created like this fictitious animal, you know, for the branding and, um, and he took on the challenge. And he's like, I just feel like it looks silly. I was like, I, I kind of want that. Like, I want it to kind of look like, you know, like, what the hell is this? Like, what am I looking at? You know, and uh, curiosities, you know, that's just more so on the focus of kind of what we're doing from a coffee standpoint, uh, what kind of our focus is, which is really kind of focused on, varieties of coffee you know that's always something the more i got into coffee in my younger years the more i wanted to understand the different varieties and like why it mattered and um you know how those affected the flavor of you know the end cup and so curiosities is more so 
to a play with, you know, aren't you curious as far as what type of coffee varieties you enjoy, you know, like, let's, let's be curious about like, how we can enjoy coffee even more, you know, that's kind of the play, the play on uh, curiosities. You just brought up something that I don't think has ever come up on this show, uh, which is impressive because there's, there's been like 60 episodes and I just thought of it myself. But I think before I started getting into coffee, I might go to and have a cup of coffee somewhere and not like that cup of coffee and think it was because it was a bad coffee shop or a right. bad coffee roaster, right. as opposed to, I just don't like this particular flavor of coffee. Right. And I think there's kind of this tipping point in, in people's drinking uh, habits where they realize that it's not as coffee is not just one thing. It's mm -hmm. a million different things, a million different flavors. And we keep, we do keep talking about that in forms of flavor wheel. You mentioned when you were younger and getting into coffee, did you have kind of a first experience with coffee that you remember that, that stands out as some uh, point where you thought, oh, this is kind of interesting? Yeah, yeah. I think I first had coffee when I was maybe 12 or 13. Like my mom was just drinking it, you know, sitting at a table with friends. And of course, it was probably really shitty coffee. Like, I don't know, you know, something you could buy extremely cheap at the grocery store. And it was loaded, I'm sure, with some kind of flavored creamer. But I thought it was delicious, you know, like as a, as a 12 or 13 year old kid. And, you know, that's kind of what initially got me into, you know, drinking it every single day. But I think it wasn't until uh, I was living in Nashville and, I guess, you know, kind of the, the third wave of, of coffee and, you know, the coffee shops and cafes uh, that were doing things a little differently uh, was becoming more and more popular. And, you know, I was just that at that age where I was just always looking for like, oh, what's the new cool coffee shop in town? And they were seemed to be popping up everywhere. And there was this one particular shop in Nashville that was it, it literally had just opened it was barista parlor and they have this uh, East Nashville shop, which was their first one. And they didn't even have a sign on the door. They didn't have any signage. They didn't have anything. I think I found it on Yelp or something. And I went in there and I was just like, you know, it was just the way that they presented coffee in a different way just blew my mind, you know, and that was the first time I was able to actually enjoy it black. Uh, you know, I tried to drink it black, you know, time and time before that, but it wasn't until it was like presented in a way that like, this is a very unique thing that you're about to experience. And it was, they were all, they were doing all pour overs and stuff, which was, you know, unheard of at the time. And, and, and the way that they presented everything, like it was in a carafe with a mug on a tray and it had some information about it. Like that was the first time I'd ever seen that. I think that was, that was probably a spark that really got me going uh, and, and just interested in what it was. Uh, and then I later worked for another coffee company in Nashville, just doing, you know, worked in a cafe and then worked in helping them with some of their digital marketing. Uh, so I was in and around the roastery lot. So yeah, that's, but that's, that's probably kind of what, where the spark first started. Well, that leads me right into this question of before Goose Bear, what were you doing or in hospitality and coffee? I mean, what prepared you to start your own company or didn't? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly, you know, like, I think definitely some experience. Uh, the the coffee company I worked for in Nashville was Bongo Java, which they were the first. Um, they they had the first like coffee shop in Nashville in 1993. So they were like the very first coffee shop to ever open in in Nashville, and they're you know they're proud of kind of being kind of Nashville's oldest coffee shop. And then they opened 
uh, a few other uh, a few other cafes. I think they've got like eight or something different, like unique cafes. Like they've got Fido and Bongo East, which is di- very different from the original location. And anyway, they've got kind of all these unique cafes all around town. And I worked in the back of Fido in the bakery, and uh, you know that was kind of you know that was an experience in and of itself, just understanding and knowing what it's like in the you know behind the bar in a cafe or you know working in the kitchen in some capacity. You know, like that's. Hospitality has definitely always, you know, always been something that you can think back to, even if you're not there anymore. And just like, man, I I learned so much through those days. Later on down the road, I'd worked there for a few years and I kind of expressed interest in helping them do some kind of digital marketing. I'd help like my wife with some projects among some other people. And they're like, yeah, sure. You know, like they were really big on, you know, kind of giving people that had been with the company for a while, even, you know, as a dishwasher, like you could be a dishwasher and like work your way up to like managing a whole cafe. And I saw people do that. Um, and so I just kind of threw my hat in the ring for this kind of digital marketing stuff and they, uh, they let me do it. And I did that for a couple more years and, uh, spent some time going to the roasting company, doing some of their, you know, talking with, you know, the roasters and understanding, uh, I even took, they even, you know, some of the roasters even gave some classes on like, this is, you know, what a roast profile looks like. This is first crack. This is second crack. This is the things that we measure and, you know, super basics of, of roasting in general. But, you know, from there, I think that, you know, that's, that took me much deeper down the rabbit hole of, of understanding coffee. And that's where I had my first like natural processed coffee. And, you know, it, that, that definitely kind of took me on, on, uh, on the journey there. Very cool. We've talked about how you, you're from Georgia, you're living in Nashville, and I think you're out here in California now. Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. What brought you West and where is Goose Bear located? Yeah, so Goose Bear is located in Carlsbad, North County, San Diego, off Poinsettia, and it's you know it it's primary. I primarily run the business from my home. You know, I roast a lot at the uh, California Roasting Collective in San Marcos, and uh, but yeah, I grew up in Georgia, uh, about an hour west of Atlanta, in a town called Carrollton, and I moved to San Diego initially uh, right after high school. I was just kind of ready to get away from a small town, and California was calling my name and. I lived here for three or four years uh, before eventually making my way to Nashville. I was playing playing music and wanted to kind of pursue that dream. Uh, and that's when I got into coffee there. It was kind of music and coffee like was, you know, definitely a simultaneous uh, thing I kept dabbling into over and over. Uh, anyway, I, I got married, had my first kid, realized I didn't want to pursue the music thing anymore. I didn't want to have to be on the road and live away from them forever. And so that kind of got me further into coffee and uh, I actually still ended up working with some music. Uh, I also currently still work for um, a uh, live music venue management company. Uh, so managing, you know, music venues from, you know, a few different states and cities and doing kind of their, some of their brand marketing and ticketing. And that's something that's like always been a constant for me. Uh, and I enjoy it. And I like the people I work with. And it's kind of, I still have enough free time uh, to be able to run Goose Bear. So it, it kind of works out, uh, something kind of steady from an income standpoint to really grow work and work on the business on at the same time. So, uh, yeah, so we had our first kid, we realized we didn't want to live in Nashville anymore. We really missed California. We met out here, we got married out here. We still had lots of friends and family and we just kind of said like, man, like, let's just leave, let's go for it. You know, there wasn't really anything that pushed us over the edge other than we kept coming back to visit and it got harder and harder to leave again, to go back. Uh, so we just kind of said like, I think we can just do this. Like, let's just 
figure out if we can, you know, make, make the plunge and make the move back. And, uh, we just kind of grit our teeth and, and did it. Uh, and we're, we're happy that we did. We're, we're definitely happier here and we're glad to be on the West coast. And we're basically neighbors because I'm also in Carlsbad, Carlsbad village, just down the road. Nice. So at some point you're going to hear a train go by and then I'm going to hear that same train go by a few minutes later, <laughs> Yeah, uh, which is how I know where people are when I talk to them on the That's show. Cool. Yeah. Was there ever a thought to incorporate the music theme into Goose Bear? Uh, not necessarily. I think that's just kind of always been there for me. And it's just kind of like a part of who I am. You know, I think um, when I was younger, I, I, you know, dabbled in some other projects where, you know, music was kind of cross related in some capacity. Um, but I, I never, you know, I feel like music and coffee just kind of always go hand in hand, you know, like you're always going to be, you know, musicians tend to like good coffee. And, you know, there's always, you know, I feel like baristas in general always have pretty good music taste as well. Like, and, you know, and they know like who the up and coming people are. And, you know, that's, that's cool thing about my job as well on the music side is, you know, we manage like smaller venues, like, you know, not like tiny clubs, but we don't, you know, get any bigger than like 1500, 1800 caps. So it's like, it's kind of that sweet spot of like, you know, you, I learn about all these artists uh, that are up and coming that are just kind of incredible to see live and have that great kind of live music atmosphere. And uh, so that I, I really kind of get a lot of enjoyment from that side. Uh, but I've never, yeah, I've never, I never thought to uh, kind of cross, cross music into, uh, into the coffee world, just because I, I guess I felt, I felt like it, I didn't need to, you know, it's kind of always, it's just kind of always there for me. One of my favorite things to do when I was running uh, restaurants and bars still, and probably the reason I did it as long as I did was because I got to control the music and I would get to create the playlists Yeah, and I would curate real playlists, not just like put on a radio station. I want to get into sourcing and roasting and all that stuff in a second, but what are you listening to when you're roasting these days? Ooh, it, it depends on, you know, it depends on the day. Um, you know, if it's a gloomy day, it's something, if it's a sunny day, it's something else. You know, if it's, if I'm feeling under the weather, like it's one thing, you know, like I, I grew up in Georgia, which is, you know, like nobody ever, it, it seemed like no one ever listened to anything other than like country music. And I, so I like resented country music growing up and then I moved out here and then I kind of like missed it. And so like, I like country music now, you know, like, so I'm listening to that sometimes or some, you know, some indie stuff or some, you know, sometimes it's, it's cool to kind of put on like some trance type EDM stuff to kind of like, you know, kind of get you in the groove. But yeah, it, it, it depends. It depends on the day. I gave this challenge to visitor coffee roasters, the guys down there in uh, Chula Vista Imperial beach area, because they're big into music as well, but to create, take the same coffee and roast it to different types of music and see if it comes out differently, <laughs> everything the same, but play different music. So that's my challenge for you as well. All right. Yeah. I'll have to give it a go. And on that point, how did you get started sourcing and roasting? How did you say, I'm going to start this coffee roastery? How, what do I do for the next step? You already had some experience in the industry on that side of things, but doing it for yourself is different than doing it to someone else's specs. So how right. did you get into that? And how does that uh, translate into what you're doing now? Yeah. So started off just, you know, I got more and more and wanting to know more about coffee and how I could kind of develop my own kind of different flavors and, you know, from even just the brewing standpoint. And then, and then I just got to where like, man, like I just, I'm just going to get a home roaster and just like see what happens, you know? And, and so I did, I got a home roaster and, and, you know, just 
started like kind of picking the machine apart to try to figure out like, okay, like I know this is for home roasters for people to do it with hobbies, but like, how can I kind of push this machine to its limits to get it kind of as close as possible to uh, producing the quality of like a commercial roaster, you know? So like, so I, I started dabbling in that and kind of pushing it further and further and, and kind of got to a sweet spot. And I eventually got to where I said like, you know, I guess I'm just going to try to sell some coffee to my friends and family and just kind of see what they think. And, uh, it was received really well and people kept ordering and I'm like, well, Dan, maybe I should just make a business out of this. Like I'm, I, I love it and I'm enjoying it and I'm enjoying learning about it as I go. And I think I could kind of make something with this. And, uh, I really wanted to attack it from the variety standpoint of like, let's approach this, like, you know, the wine industry has done this, you know, and I think coffee is kind of coming far behind that, uh, where, you know, you walk down a wine aisle and everything's categorized by variety. Like you've got your Cabernets and your Merlots and on the other side, you might have your Pinot Noirs or, you know, what have you. And coffee is similar in that regard that there's, you know, there's different varieties and sometimes they're mixed with a blend and sometimes they're not. And, I, I think that that could be a great way to identify, like, I really like that coffee and I kind of like that one, but only on certain days, you know, I think it just, it, it helps you enjoy the experience of drinking coffee every day more. And I wanted to experiment that. And especially with like honey processed coffees and natural processed coffees, I felt like that kind of brought out the, the, um, the characteristics of each variety a little bit more. Uh, and so that was kind of my focus. Like let's, let's just roast a bunch of naturals, a bunch of honeys, a bunch of different, uh, processes and kind of find the sweet spot for each variety. And let's just sell that variety at, with that process. And, and, you know, let people develop their, uh, their, 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 uh, their flavor profiles and what they like and what they don't like and, uh, approach it from that standpoint. And so that's kind of where, you know, the approach of, of what we're doing for Goose Bear kind of started was, you know, I just started roasting the coffees that I liked, which all happened to be single varieties, either honeys or naturals. And that's kind of where things started and things have just kind of broadened out more and are continue to do so. You know, what you're talking about kind of speaks to maybe someone who's a little bit more of a focused consumer who's who's interested in that sort of stuff. Do you find that is who your customer is, somebody who's really into coffee or are you reaching a wider audience who's just going, you know what, I don't I don't care about the elevation or the terroir. Right. I just want a cup of coffee. Is that is that customer have coffee from Goose Bear that makes sense for them? Yeah, I think it's kind of divided. A lot of my customers out here are probably the more, a little bit more advanced coffee drinkers and a little bit more uh, informed uh, and and just have more experience drinking specialty coffee. Whereas a lot of my customers uh, on the east side of the country, like near where I grew up in my hometown, are just see that what I'm doing and they want to try it and they just love it and they're excited to buy more. Uh, but I think it's, I think, um, at my goal for, you know, as, as we're moving forward is to, um, to eventually make it to where anybody that, you know, at any level can see like, Hey, I, you know, I feel like I would like that, you know, category of coffee and here's the varietals in that category. Or maybe I'm like, Oh, I like a little bit more bold and robust, you know, like even you can even categorize different varieties kind of in that it's depending on roast level and things like that. But essentially, you know, I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm identifying like, broad characteristics to kind of categorize each coffee. And then, you know, it gets even more 
kind of linear into, you know, individual varieties. But but yeah, the customer base is pretty broad, but I, I want to get to the point where, you know, it's it's kind of self-explanatory. You can look at the you can look at the options presented in the categories and figure out what you enjoy, uh, even from like a, your regular appetite and your regular eating habits. And then, wow, I think I would like that coffee or that coffee. And then, you know, you're set, you know, it's, it's definitely targeted for, you know, everyone's individual unique tastes. And I think your business is primarily online at this point, which, so that would speak to the, the need for quality branding and user experience, uh, user interaction online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there any thoughts towards branching out into in-person? You're a relatively young roastery, I believe, so correct me if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. you've mostly existed during COVID. Yeah, uh, that's that's about right. We uh, we moved back to San Diego in February of 2020, so right before right before everything kind of shut down. So yeah, uh, definitely existed primarily during during COVID and uh, have been 100% online. Uh, as far as interested in branching out into kind of more of a physical space. I, I don't see that as something I'm not interested in doing, uh, but I definitely want to, you know, wholesale is kind of a different conversation. But as far as right now, we're, the main focus is primarily just uh, getting to where we can kind of, like you said, kind of have that uh, online experience for the consumer being really buttoned up, really dialed in as far as understanding how we're categorizing our coffees and how we can help people enjoy their coffee even more based on their unique uh, tastes. So I definitely looking forward to uh, one day when we can branch out, do some wholesale options. I think it'd be, you know, we'll definitely have to be partnering with the right wholesalers, but, you know, further down the road, definitely open to the idea of, you know, physical kind of brick and mortar locations, but it's, it's, uh, it's not, not a current priority yet. Not even brick and mortar. I'm thinking more about that hospitality experience, which you do have some background in, which may make you not want to do it. Right. <laughs> Setting up at a farmer's market or, yeah. or even at the at the beach, that sort of thing. Just mm-hmm. I actively am an introvert uh, mm-hmm. as I get older and I enjoy being at home and not necessarily engaging every day. But even I am need to get out of the podcast booth every now and again and like right just go host an event and, and engage yeah. with people on a bigger scale. Because I think I'm not sure what it is, but there's something about that hospitality that's ingrained in me where if I get far enough away, I forget about all the stress of it. Yeah, no, totally. And, and there's, there's something special about when you're in, in front of someone telling them about, you know, something you're passionate about and it gets communicated completely different than, you know, if, if they're reading it on a website or something, you know, or even a social post, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's very much a more of a conversation. And, you know, I think people can, can get more out of it and understand more of where you're coming from when you're in person. Uh, you know, that's, I, that for me goes back to, you know, the, even the live music stuff, you know, like it's completely different from listening, you know, to a, a recording to seeing it in person in front of your face, you know, like right there, you know, I, yeah, I, I definitely see the value in that and looking forward to doing that soon. Uh, no doubt. Yeah. Sure. And I'm actually thinking about those moments where as a, like a bartender or a barista, you're teaching somebody about the product that you're giving them and then they taste it and you see the click mm-hmm. or maybe before they didn't realize something mattered and now right, it will. Yeah. And they can never unlearn that no matter yeah, what. Totally. And that was part of that experience. I believe your wife also works with Goose Bear. It's, you're working from home. Yeah. First of all, what is your wife's name, if you don't mind? Uh, Melissa. 
how do you guys work together on this business? How do you kind of create boundaries and responsibilities and delineate kind of what is work and what isn't? Because right. we're all experiencing a lot more work from home, if you're lucky enough, mm-hmm. uh, to some extent, I shouldn't say we all, but like, I find I have a hard time going, oh, well, it's okay, eight to five, I'm working. No, it's kind of like at seven and I'm working, it's 10 at night, I'm working. Right. How yeah. do you guys create a, a situation that's conducive to that? Yeah, you're right. I, the, the lines definitely get blurred pretty easily, uh, especially when everything's kind of done from the homestead. Yeah, I, I primarily run the business on my side is, you know, from from a lot of different angles. Uh, however, I've, you know, from everything that I've done, I've always loved and appreciated her her input. Uh, I'd say I'd say the biggest thing that she offers is is uh, uh, her kind of input and expertise in you know just giving feedback you know whether it be uh, like we do all of our cuppings together um, and she tastes things that I don't taste sometimes uh, vice versa and you know having someone there to kind of always bounce ideas off and you know and you're right it's it's uh you know our business is very much of a young business. Um, and when that's the case, you know, there's, there's a lot of kind of personal time and, you know, investment and investment, uh, into the business, uh, from a young standpoint. So it's, it's kind of a, a, it kind of has to be a family kind of invested into it. You know, it's a family business kind of from the start. So yeah, I, I don't necessarily think we have specific duties that are divided. It's just kind of like, this is kind of something that we want to build and to grow, uh, into something that can be sustainable, uh, for us and, you know, as a business, uh, to stand on its own two feet. So yeah, I'd say, you know, the lines definitely get blurred, but at this point in time, uh, that kind of works for us. So, uh, you know, from, making coffee in the morning and the afternoons and tasting and cupping, you know, uh, at both of those times sometimes as well, you know, it's, it's kind of just always an open dialogue, uh, about, you know, like, Oh, what if we did this? What if we did that? What if we, you know, revamped this in that area? And, and yeah, we're, we kind of are always all hands on deck to, to try to improve the business and grow it. What are you guys working towards next? Obviously, you're still in this early growth phase, but where do you see Goose Bear in 2022? Kind of where do you see the local coffee industry going in 2022? We recently, we're talking here mid-January, there's recently a few announcements of coffee closures in the area that were Mm -hmm. somewhat surprising, I think, to people. Uh, Established businesses, you would have never guessed, but they're hitting a wall in the pandemic. Being primarily online keeps you flexible to some extent. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering what what is what is on deck for Goose Bear and kind of what do you see where do you see the craft coffee community going? Uh, you know, I think it's um I think we're still going to continue to see new businesses open, brick and mortar and e-com. I think it's going to be it is it is surprising to see some of these, you know, well-established brands closing up shop, uh, but it, you know, some of them are even, you know, just going exclusively to e-commerce because that is flexible for them and that does work for them and they have a, you know, they've worked to build kind of a successful model on that front and it it's good enough for them to kind of sustain themselves, uh, which is great. I think, you know, for us, we're definitely still focused all online, uh, keeping things all e-commerce However, you know, really looking to uh, expand kind of what we offer uh, from, you know, just from different varieties and different processing uh, and, you know, helping, helping people understand, you know, the educational aspect of it is, is kind of a beast, uh, but it's something that we're passionate about, you know, like the, it was the, it was a really cool moment when uh, I made, I did like a, I made a 
uh, a natural Ethiopian heirloom coffee for my uh, mother-in-law, my, my wife's mom. Uh, and it, you know, nor- every day she drinks, you know, a kind of a shitty cup of coffee with, you know, sugary creamer in it. And that's, she doesn't expect anything more, anything less that she, that's her coffee, you know? And, uh, but I, I convinced her to try it black for the first time. And, uh, and I knew this was like, this coffee was really fruit forward. And it was just like, it, it just kind of hits you in the mouth, like no other coffee I had had before had done. And I made it for her and she was like, Oh, like her eyes got big. And she just like her mouth dropped. She was like, I have never tasted anything like this before, you know? And, and, uh, that moment's always stuck with me because like, I, I, I know there's a lot of other people that could have that same, that same kind of realization. Like I do like how coffee tastes, you know, like it, it, and it doesn't taste like what I thought it did. You know, it doesn't all taste the same. It's all very unique. And that's, that's one of those moments I always reference of like, you know, like that I want, I want that to happen to a lot of people. Like, and I hope I want to be a part of that with them because that's kind of the, the experience that I have a lot of times. And that's what I want for other people when, especially when they come in contact with our coffees. And so for us, it's a matter of, you know, expanding and what we can offer from an educational standpoint and also just from an offerings and also doing more, a little bit more direct trade. You know, I had the opportunity to go to uh, Columbia this past year and, uh, and visit a coffee farm. And it was, it was kind of a dream come true. I'd always wanted to go and things just kind of lined up perfectly for me to make this trip. Uh, and it was, it was life changing. I came back and I was just like ready to hit the ground running. Like I want to do more of that. And I want to work with, work, work with Andres and, and like, and I want to like get his coffee over here and have people try it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's very different when you have that personal connection with someone like in their country and see it in your hands and you can pop a coffee chair in your mouth, like, and, and see what that tastes like. It's really strange. Like it doesn't taste like anything else, you know? Um, and so, yeah, for us, I think it's, you know, it, it's expanding on what we can offer, but still staying focused on what we're doing online uh, and what we can communicate through socials and, and other outlets digitally. Uh, you know, for us, that's scalable um, until we can get to a certain point. Uh, and as far as the other industries, I mean, I think it's going to be both. There's more and more roasters, you know, booking the collective. Um, you know, there are a lot of businesses like me that are there um, and that number seems to be growing. So I don't see that stopping anytime soon. I, I, I think that's still growing. And I, I think that's pushing coffee forward, though, you know, more and more people understanding what specialty coffee is and uh, what it can taste like. And um, so, yeah, working at the collective, do you find that to be kind of an inspirational experience, like being motivated by what other people do? Or is it more of a I go in, I get my work done in the time that I'm renting and I get out? It's both. I think when you're going in there to like to get get your shit done, I think that's, you know, a lot of times it's like, all right, like I know what I need to do or, hey, I'm working on a profile like and and I need to really dial it in and focus on it. Uh, but I think it's the little times where you see like, oh, I think I know that guy. I think he runs that, you know, that brand or that one. Or like, you know, you see other people that, you know, roast there and see what their brands are doing and knowing like they're like me, you know, like they're they're a small scale. They don't own they don't have to have, you know, the huge capital investment to buy their own roaster like uh, you know, it's a really cool, you know, it's kind of, it kind of feels like a new age of like Uber or DoorDash or like, it's, it's a, it's a collective, like it's something where there's like enough people involved to where we can kind of all work together and collaborate and share. And for example, I'm working with, um, uh, the farm that I visited in Colombia, and I can't order a ton in bulk, uh, myself yet. So I'm working with other roasters at the collective to collectively put an order together 
for us all to get our shipping costs down and for us to put a place a bigger order with with the farmer. Uh, so it's it's kind of like I wouldn't be able to do that uh, if if I wasn't in somehow connected and collaborating with uh, with other like minded roasters through the collective. Um, and that that was huge for me. Uh, I, luckily, I was also able to work with a, a, a farmer who was you know willing to work with me no matter what uh, quantities I could order. But, you know, that's not always the case. Normally it's kind of like, well, we kind of got to do this and that's kind of all we can do. But so I, that for me has been really inspirational, uh, for sure. Is there anything else that we weren't, we didn't cover today that you want people to know about goose bear, about you, about, uh, this journey that you guys have going on? You know, I'd say, I don't know if there's anything we haven't covered. Uh, I, I definitely want to, you know, the educational aspect of kind of what we're doing from, you know, the coffees that we're offering uh, from a variety standpoint, like if, if you don't drink wine and you can't understand that reference, I always like make the comparison of apples. Like you might love Honeycrisp apples and maybe not so much uh, Granny Smith. Like that's more of a red wine, white wine type situation, but you might love, you know, Red Delicious or, you know, you wouldn't expect them to taste like others, you know, like, and, but they're different varieties of, of apples and similar is is uh is to coffee so um i I think that's going to help um once you kind of put those references as far as you know like real world things that you can compare and contrast to like yes i do love honey crisp and i don't love red delicious me personally uh just like you know sometimes i really love you know you know, a good Ethiopian heirloom coffee or, you know, a Katura and from, you know, Central America. But then sometimes I don't always love a Katwai, you know, like it's, it, it's a little too light for me sometimes, but sometimes it just hits spot on, you know, like, and understanding that everyone can, can kind of find something in that everyone can kind of find, you know, the coffees that you just hits the spot every time, you know, and that's, you know, that's the moment that we're trying to recreate over and over. So that leads us right into our last question, uh, which is when you go out and get a cup of coffee somewhere else, or you see a cafe and you pull off the side of the road, what are you drinking? What are you ordering for you? I'm I'm a black coffee lover through and through at this point. Uh, I rarely order espresso or any kind of, you know, cortado, latte, anything like that. Uh, I'm generally always go black coffee. And that's kind of something for me that kind of correlates with you know, I feel like you can really taste the difference in your different coffees when you're just drinking it black or just, you know, straight uh, some type of um, extraction without anything added. My wife will get uh, some likes to do some specialty coffee sometimes, like if a, if a cafe is like had some unique stuff going on. The, co- the coffee shop in Nashville, Bongo, they always had like a, in a signature drink competition where like all the baristas from all the different cafes like came up with their creations and things like that. And those were always fun. Uh, and I like those, but that's not what I, that's not usually what I would order. Uh, so I'm usually, I usually uh, am looking for, you know, what black coffees do they have available? How are they brewing them? And, and then like, what are my tastes and what can I, you know, how can I get the best cup? Sometimes it's, you know, they're batch brew drip, you know, sometimes it's, you know, I, I feel like, Steady State and Ironsmith both have like solid drip batch brews, you know, like, and sometimes that's all I want, you know, but sometimes I want like a, a, something more specific and a pour over or something. But yeah, I, I'm definitely a big advocate for just drinking black coffee. I'm a black coffee drinker as well. I find that I, if I'm drinking a coffee on site, that's when I'm going to order a pour over or something because yeah. I might have questions and I might want to ask somebody like, hey, where this, you know, all the details that we've been talking about. If I'm getting it to walk away, then I'm just going to go drip because it's kind of how I 
this is a weird, a weird uh, tangent for anyone listening, but I used to always judge restaurants by the quality of the toilet paper. Yeah. Because I knew if they cared about their customers and their employees, they'd have good, good toilet paper. I think that's solid, solid assessment. Yeah. And I kind of feel that way about drip coffee and coffee. Yeah. yeah. You know, like if you care about the people that are there every single day, you're going to make sure your drip is on point. Exactly. I'm always astonished by like fancy restaurants that like, you know, you have, you, they have this amazing <laughs> chef and they like do all these, you know, incredible dishes and they give thought to every single detail. And then at the end of the meal, if you want a cup of coffee, it's just like, it's garbage. And I'm like, why didn't you pay as much attention to detail as this, <laughs> to this as you did everything else? Like, I feel like that's, uh, that's, you know, sometimes, you know, they're like, yes, this is from this local roaster and they do this, this, this. And I'm like, yes, thank you. Like, thank you for paying attention to this as well as everything else. I used to be one of those servers that a long time ago worked for a very fancy restaurant that cared about every ingredient was sourced in the state. Every mm-hmm. like beer was from the state. Like yeah. even today till now, they're still written up. Uh, we had Sunday morning brunches and my complete training uh, on making an espresso for someone at the bar or for a table or a coffee of any kind was here's the machine. You press this button. The water goes here. <laughs> The grounds go here, right. end of training. Right, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And looking back, I think they are that restaurant. They cared about everything except for that. Yeah, and yeah. It it's surprising. Just, it, the, <laughs> I guess the times have not quite caught up to, you know, like, wow, we should pay attention to this too. Like there's, you know, there's plenty of, you know, information out there nowadays to kind of, to gather like this is quality and this is not. And where that line is, like at least kind of make the effort and then you're, you know, leaps and bounds above, you know, ahead of your competition. Well, after this, I'm going to Google them and find out what they're serving on their menu today. (laughs) Cause maybe they've, they've, they've moved up. It's been a long time. Maybe so. Yeah. I mean, I love those restaurants. Like I, I sincerely like, those are the kind of places that I, you know, that I want to take, you know, Melissa to on a date. Like we love, you know, she's a foodie and she cooks all the time and, you know, she wants to, order something that she can't make herself, you know? And so like, those are, those kind of restaurants are great, but yeah, I always want to be like, Oh, what's on your coffee menu. And like, kind of, you know, it's somewhat of a loaded question, but I'm just curious. Like, I want to see if they, if they care about that or not, you know? I do know. And, uh, I have certainly been that person on both sides, the person who didn't know what to answer and the person who wanted to know. So I always am always empathetic. Jeremy, it was really a pleasure meeting you and chatting with you. Welcome back to the West Coast. I think we're all probably going to be glad that you're here. Thanks. And uh, looking forward to trying some goose bear in the near future. Right on, man. When I was researching, albeit briefly, for this episode, I was struck by the branding of goose bear. It made me wonder how much stock I put in the branding of the coffee I'm buying, and how much it might influence my coffee drinking experience. I would have definitely been pulled in by the name and the logo if I saw Gooseberry Coffee Curiosities on the shelf, but I don't know that I would buy it on that alone, because I do have enough of a baseline of coffee knowledge to go a step further looking into the details of the coffee. But, if it were a bottle of wine... I'd be buying on the branding alone. And I do love the branding at some of my favorite coffee shops. I extend that term branding to the overall experience inside and out of the shop, not just the logo. Is it a coincidence I love Steady State and Moster coffees, and I also think highly of the design at the shop, or that my experience inside is always top-notch? Probably not. 
Jeremy and his wife opened Gooseberry very early in the pandemic. It has been an online-only business so far. They are part of an entire generation of entrepreneurs that will be looking at their brick-and-mortar options differently, having experienced this ongoing worldwide event that has impacted all the ways a business may or may not have generated revenue before. I know that it will for me. You may not notice it as a customer, but the line between success and failure in hospitality is very, very thin, and the details really matter. Takeaway coffee cups are a great example of this. The current wonky supply chains have caused a huge hiccup in the availability and the price of these coffee shop staples. If a takeaway cup normally costs 6 cents one day, and 12 or even 24 the next, it can change the entire dynamic of a small business that runs on fairly tight margins, selling a product that ranges generally between 2 and $6. And that is assuming you can get them. Quick Trip, or Quick Star, is a chain of gas stations and convenience stores in the Midwest. They spell quick K-W-I-K, and they're more like mini neighborhood markets that offer fresh produce and all the grocery staples, along with a wide variety of coffees to go. They have more than 800 locations in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, and Illinois. Despite their size and their buying power, they have run out of coffee cups. Last Friday, they put out a statement that customers who want coffee or any of their hot beverages will need to bring their own mug. That's pretty wild. If a company that big, with a much bigger wallet than your local roaster probably has, is having trouble, imagine what the neighborhood coffee shops are doing trying to find cups of their own. They're competing with every other coffee provider in the world. Which brings me to my soapbox item of the week. Bring your own mug to the coffee shop. A lot of cafes will even give you a discount if you do so. Not only will you be helping them navigate these supply chain issues, but you'll be keeping one more disposable coffee cup out of the landfill because almost all takeaway coffee cups are not recyclable due to the coating that they have that is designed to prevent heat loss and degradation of the paper. Besides, it is just nicer to drink out of your own mug. I keep a few on the counter next to the door so I don't forget. Actually, I think I have a few in the car too, and sometimes I still forget, and that's okay. But whenever you can, bring your own mug. Okay, I am off my soapbox again. Is soapbox a reference that people even still get? It doesn't really matter. I just, I hope that you can figure it out from the context clues. Back to the coffee part of the show. Jeremy talked about his time at Barista Parlor in Nashville and how those earlier coffee experiences impacted him. They have some pretty great design aesthetics too, and I can see their influence in Goose Bear. Nashville is famously a lovely town for music, live music in particular, and my chat with Jeremy inspired me to take a look at what I listen to when I'm brewing and drinking my coffee every morning. It turns out it's mostly podcasts. Mostly news podcasts. So I made a point to turn off the chatter and listen to a live music album every morning last week instead. This is purely anecdotal, but I think it really made for a more focused coffee drinking experience. I was able to focus my senses on the coffee. I was even able to pull out some unique flavors during a blind tasting, later confirmed by the roaster, I'm proud to say, that might have gotten lost had I been listening to the latest on what was going on at the Ukraine border. I've posted a playlist with some of the songs from those morning listening sessions in this week's newsletter on roastwestcoast.com 
along with the link to it on Spotify. Now, I'm not telling you not to listen to podcasts. Please keep doing that. Selfishly, keep listening to this one, if not for my ongoing coffee chatter, but for the interviews and the Coffee Smarter sessions. And if you find yourself appreciating this show or appreciating your coffee experiences more because of it, please tell a friend and subscribe to that just-mentioned newsletter on roastwestcoast.com. That newsletter is free, but there is a paid option if you'd like to support the creation of this content and future coffee content. Speaking of creating, this show's industry partners provide the world with some incredible coffee and coffee drinking experiences. They include Café La Terre, Moster Coffee Company, Coffee Cycle Roasting, Leap Coffee, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, Marea Coffee, Steady State Coffee Roasting, Camp Coffee Company, and Cape Horn Coffee Importers. Plus, First Light Whiskey is always there to help with a nip at happy hour. I usually splash mine in with some Maker's Mark, blend it into some vanilla ice cream, or add it into a hot cup of decaf late in the day. Some great coffee decafs are available from the roasters I just mentioned. You can find links to all of those companies and Goose Bear Coffee curiosities in this show's podcast notes. And if you can't find them wherever you're listening, you can also click into any article on roastwestcoast.com and they'll be there. A reminder, I'll see you at Camp Coffee Company on Saturday, where I'll have the microphone set up, and hopefully I'll get a chance to chat with some of this show's listeners about why they love coffee. That's Saturday morning, February 19th, from 9 to noon, at Camp Coffee Company in Oceanside, California. Thank you to everyone for subscribing. Thank you to everyone for listening. A new Coffee Smarter episode with Chris O'Brien, all about bulletproof coffee, comes out tomorrow. And I'll be back next week with an interview with Erin Ninao. She's the founder and owner of Ascend Coffee Roasters in San Marcos, California. This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast is, was, has been, written, produced, and recorded by me, Brian Wolt. I hope this show has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity and coffee to make it through the day. And please, always tip your baristas, now more than ever, and be sure to drink good coffee. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. Welcome to I Like Beer, the podcast, where we discuss great beers and the stories that go with them. I'm your host, Jeff. And I'm your host, Jeff. We are lucky enough to live in North County, San Diego, a beer mecca within a beer mecca, where it's 72 degrees all year long and there are over 160 breweries within minutes. Weather's nice, the water's warm, the beer is cold, and there are stories to be told. We believe beer is a drink for friends, for sharing a laugh, telling a tale or two, and for contemplating life and how to live it. We're not your ordinary beer pod, so grab a beer, pull up a bar stool, and join us for a few laughs. You can find us wherever you get your pods, and also on Instagram and Facebook at I Like Beer the Podcast, as well as on Twitter or our website, I Like Beer the Podcast.com. Looking forward to having you join us. Cheers. As a matter of fact, I love beer.